Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a great message from one of our guest speakers. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Thank you guys for inviting me here, uh, for coming and sharing my testimonies with you. Uh, some of you may have been here in the morning, already shared a bit of my own experience. And uh, feel free if you think my testimony can be a blessing to somebody else, feel free to um, you know, pass it on to others. You call it what, uh, downloading it on your iPad or whatever, your podcast, something like that, so you listen to that, just feel free to do that. There is no copyright on that. I want to be a blessing to whoever. I know we all go through challenges and thank God that our challenges are all different, not the same. So that uh, whatever my strength might be your weaknesses, you can become stronger in that area. Whatever your strength might be my weaknesses, I can also become stronger through your own testimonies. And um, of course, it's many years since what I have experienced. And um, <clears throat> every time I talk about it, I think about it, I share it with you, the pictures become so real, so close, regardless of how many years that might have been, it just draws very closer because it is in me. At the age of 17 years, just a young boy going to school and uh, in, in Uganda, I mean most of Africa really, not just Uganda but really in Uganda we've never had a power transition freely, you know like one president to another passes on power to the next, that never happened, the only time we had a free power transition was when the British handed power to us and we became independent, free that was in 1962. I wasn't born then. And um, Idi Amin took over. Many of you, all the generation probably heard about Idi Amin and the atrocity and the Indians were all kicked out of the country and British out and so on. And so that has been the transition in our country. Various episodes of difficult situation. But in 1986, as a young lad, 17 years of age, the rebel came and surrounded our school. They just said, close the school down and all of you go home. And some of us were stubborn enough to ask why. Because we want to go to school. They said, well, if you want to find out, you come back tomorrow with the cooking utensils. Because we're going to kill any teacher we find in school and you're going to cook and you're going to eat those teachers. So we got the message. We knew this was serious. And just... As we were retrieving from school, going back home, the bullets started crisscrossing, bombardment were happening, and they were you know, firing all the bazookas and mortars and things like that, which was very dangerous in our environment, in our compound. We felt that we were not safe to stay home, and we ran away from home far into the jungle. But of course, when we reached there, we realized we don't have food. And so we had to sneak back to get some food from our granary, from our garden, in the process of time, this particular time we came back home and we found a rebel that surrounded our village. And anybody who was 
caught carrying any food items just they would beat you and they say that we are taking food to the government soldiers and uh, they don't want those people to be supplied with food this one girl said look we have siblings back we left them can we take food to them please and the rebel said no every food that in this community belong to us and this one girl tried to run away and they just shot her right there they killed her they look at us say anybody want to go back into town and we realize no we can't we will stay with you so we carried all the loots they have stolen and uh, there was this boiling pot of cassava in the fire and the soldiers were advancing the firing and they said you carry this on your head you know there's a charcoal burning and a hot soup is spilling all over so if you drop that your life goes down with it because that is our lunch so that was the beginning of trouble for me for 6 months moving with this rebel in the bush you're like a donkey carrying all their loots and there is no sleep you have no home if it rain it rain on you is you know you just sleep walking and if you fail asleep for long they would just kill you and leave you there because you're not fit to move with them so all of that was a very difficult circumstance for a 17 years old you see death become very you get used to it it's not a anything you're afraid of it anymore because you could be the next person this to be killed and you keep moving you don't have a place or a base to stay in you just keep moving day in and day out maybe some of you probably heard about coin 2012 that was last year and was circulating all over the world that was the joseph coin that caused that war in northern uganda for over 25 years and that is the experience i have gone through in 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 that environment and i am just one of many others who are right now still stuck and locked with that dark deep feeling inside because when this rebel abduct you what they do they make sure that you kill somebody in your community you kill your mom kill your father or kill your brother or sister so that at the end you cannot ever think of escaping and coming back home because how would you fit back home knowing what you have done to your own family members so you live with them desensitized dead you know naturally you have no sense of feeling or fear or killing that's what they do and sadly it's not just like you getting a gun and shooting somebody and leaving them dead they make sure you get a machete or axe you just cut them into pieces and they also make you eat or drink their blood or eat their brain out or something like that and um it's shocking you know i have to spare you some of the detail because it's, it's some of the thing that uh, you wish at at the end you wish you're dead too because you lose the purpose for existence you're like why should i live how do i live with that image with that knowledge of that actual event that you have gone through
Well, this particular time they had a disagreement among themselves and I we had opportunity to escape and we did. We ran for our life with of course a bullet, you know, crisscrossing and flying over us. And we came back into Kitgum town. We reported to the government. We said, "Look, we have just escaped from the rebel abduction and uh, we here we need help." And the government soldiers look at us and say, "We don't believe you." we think that you have been sent to spy in on us now honestly <laughs> you have no defense there we were taken again as a prisoner of war as if having run away from the rebel was not enough in the hand of the government who was supposed to protect you you've been taken into prison and believe me you don't want to be a prisoner of war in africa because the geneva convention doesn't apply in africa to be honest you get the worst treatment you get beaten you sleep on a cold cement floor you have no plate they pour hot food in your hand or you have to pull out your shirt in order to put some food on and the fed no medical care you know i i still carry the 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 scars of war all over my leg you can see all of yeah the scars of war and all of my leg there's no medication you just treat it like a dog even dogs here get better treatment than any but in african prisons as a result of war so in government prison that's in kampala now in the capital city of uganda in luzira they were going to transfer us into another camp which i didn't know i'd never been there before and um they put us at the back of this big mac truck and they move us to the railway station and we sat there waiting for the train to come then i managed to just i was bored tired I just walked through the cart of the train and somebody showed me across the road that there is a police barracks i thought oh my uncle used to be a police barrack maybe i can go there and find something warm to wear so when i crossed the road i was you know like a dreadlock my hair was overgrown my backside was hanging out i was thin skinny and people thought maybe i was you know crazy and they started asking why are you here what do you want who are you looking for and i mentioned the name of my uncle and this particular gentleman looked at me and he knew my uncle say come here and i went say why what are you doing here you know i said well we are waiting at the railway station there for the train we are going in such and such a place and he said what i said that's where we are going he said please come inside so he took me inside he said do you know where that place is i said i've never been there i don't know i was just told it's cold down there so i was looking for something warm to keep me and he said please don't bring any trouble to me sit here don't get up that's for like three and a half to noon i sat inside his house until seven o'clock in the evening and he woke me out and he started narrating the whole story to me that when you go down there you never come out alive you just die you know and so i escaped from that and that was the beginning of my new life so then i started looking for way to go back to school and uh, i went to this school the college ambassador of hope it was a christian charitable organization and they were just helping people who have missed out on education to catch up so when i got there i found out that they were christian they started you know praying every morning as you go in the classroom and reading scriptures and actually that's where my scripture in Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 came from and 
So we started learning from there. And they started telling me that I should receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I'm like, you know, I'm a Christian. I came up from an uh, Anglican background. What's the difference? You know, where was God when I was suffering in the jungle, when I go through all this pain and horror and, and all the terrible, you know, episodes in my life I went through? Why? Where was he? You know, naturally, I think it's just the enemy try to keep us in darkness to blame God for every situation that we go through. And But you see, God is gentle in many ways and he speaks to us deeply into our soul. I close my eyes in prayers. God whisper like, how many people died when you were in the jungle? How many people died when you were in the prison? Yet you are still alive. If I was not with you, would you be here? You know, and, and deeply and sweetly as a sound in my soul, I feel like God was extending out his hand towards me. And finally, uh, the 11th of April, 1988, in the classroom that's when I gave my life to Jesus and something just happened right there it was like a big heavy burden was lifted off me and I started feeling the, the warmth the glow the joy the happiness in my life and I, I went back home to my uncle and my auntie it was like something strange with me because I was full of joy because something just happened. I could not explain it. And, and even if I'm sitting in the shade, I feel like the heat, the ray of, of heat and light was just glowing over me. And something was in my spirit just so excited. My auntie just looked at me and said, it's wrong. You know, it's not right. You know, in, in this home, we only have one religion. Of course, they were in the Catholic faith. And um, I started getting uh, difficult mistreatment in, in my life and she just threw me out. She said I will report you because you're a rebel, you have escaped, you're this you're that. I was just so broken all over again. I was angry, I was bitter. I'm like God, how is that possible? And, and, and why? You know I just don't want to be here anymore. I just want to go back and die with my people back in the village. And, and, and just let the rebel kill me if they have to. Because I thought I was safe. I thought I was free. And now the only one family that I have, they throw me out. Now, at that moment, you never know what God is doing. Sometimes things doesn't turn out the way you want it to be. And the teachers looked at me broken, in pain, disappointed as I was. They said, look, David, even you go back home, you're going to die. And that's not why we're here. We want you to be okay and we're going to do whatever we can to find a place for you to stay and and they found this a little old lady she's a missionary happened to be you know australian married to new zealander moved to uganda in 1985 and she's been there ever since a little old lady she took me in as a son and she was just a different lady altogether because I live in the jungle, I live in the bush, I was in prison, I knew no civilization. I was a jungle dude. And now I come into her home, she's like, have you bathed? I'm like, 
I don't bathe. I live in the jungle. I bathe once a week or once a month if I'm lucky. And she's like, you know, have you made your bed? Every time I wake up in the morning, she would check my bed. I said, go back to your room. Make up your bed. In this house, you make up your bed. You bathe. You know, you bathe the dog. You wash the dog. And, and you know, all kind of thing. I'm like, we don't bathe the dog in Africa. Dog bathes for themselves, you know. And, um, and I would sit there on the table, you know, tapping the table. She's like, why are you tapping the table? I'm like, you know, sitting like that. And sometimes I put my elbow on it. Like, why are you putting your elbow on the table? And um, I didn't know what God was doing. Some of the things sound funny, but it is true to this very day. If you go and live with Jude, you realize that what I'm telling is absolutely true. And, you know, she would say, if I'm speaking to you, you look at my eyeball to eyeball. And I'm like, we don't look at your eyeballs in Africa when you are talking to me. I look down and listen to every word you're saying. And she wants me to look her eyeball to eyeball. I look at her eyeball. I'm like, wow, she's got big blue eyes. And I would be smiling and she would get angry like, why are you smiling at me? Are you despising me? And, and that cross culture, I didn't know. You know, I, I realize here when you talk to somebody, it's eyeball to eyeball contact. That is assuring. For us, it's not. It's a disrespectful when you look at somebody in the eyeball to eyeball. I'm supposed to look down and say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I'm listening to what you're saying. That's how it is. You know, so I didn't know. I, I was just offending her in every step all the way. And... and we're sitting on the table. She would tell me, this is not how you hold a knife and a fork. You know, you hold it like that and you hold it like that. I'm like, we don't use knives and fork. I'm just happy to use my finger and lick it all, you know. And it was unbelievable. I had to learn these things with time. God was preparing me. I had no idea. Then in 1992, my, my mother actually passed away. My grandmother was ill. So I decided to go home, and uh, even in the middle of the war, at least the movement were there because you move in convoys, and you are protected by the soldiers, of course, with the risk of landmine and ambushes as well. But then I persevered. I went there through and paid respect to my late mom and saw my grandma. And then one Sunday, I went to the church in town, and I met another Australian. I'm like, Wow. Another Australian in Kitkum. One I left in the city. What is happening in my world? I'm meeting all these Australians around about me. So this lady was also having some difficult time with her husband. Her husband divorced her, left her there, and married a pretty girl, Ugandan, and moved back with him in Australia. And the woman was struggling there. And then she asked if I could uh, go and help. I said, no, I don't want to come back here. I had a bad experience. I'm going back in the city. Life is good there. I'm learning how to eat with knives and forks and all that kind of thing. And, but when I got there, I became very restless. And I felt like, you know, this woman is suffering. She's looking after these children. They could be me. And, and you know, I want to be part of them. I want to do something for them. So I moved back to Kitkum in 1995. And this lady was, you know, Irene Gleason, which many of you probably heard of her. I worked with her for 13 years. And that's my connection to Australia. And in, in 1995, I was in uh, Crescent City Church. The first, I think it was the first time they moved into their church, the new building. And I was there with them. 
And so that's how I became a member and of uh, C3 since 1995. Then in 1999, I was moving back to Africa. And I said, I'm just going to start a church in Africa. And Phil Pringle said, you're going to start a Christian city church. I'm like, oh, okay, sir, we're going to do that. We'll talk about it. Because they gave me a year for the probation period. So I couldn't use the name Christian City Church straight away. I used Salt and Light. And then Salt and Light Christian City Church, after one year, that's when we became Salt and Light Christian City Church. Now, for some of you, let me just say this. God is an amazing God. Because the little old lady that adopted me as her son, in my passport, I have that name Giacometti. Now, Giacometti is Lucas Giacometti, who is a pastor of Christian City Church in Hobart. And I'm like, wow, isn't God amazing how he worked this thing out in all arrangement? I had no idea I would be a member of Christian City. I had no idea I have a brother who is a pastor. I had no idea that this is the plan that God has. But that was the arrangement God has made. So I've been in the ministry. I gave my life to the Lord in 1988, as I told you. And I've been in the ministry of Christian City Church since the year 1995, a member, and then started a church in, in 2000. I started Christian City Church. And today, Christian City Church is growing like a bushfire in Africa. And that's what God is doing. There have been time. That it was easy to give up and turn my back and walk away. You know, Jesus made a statement to his disciples in the Gospel of John. He said, In this world, you'll have many trouble, but have courage. For I have overcome. I think it's about time I bring the Bible closer to this so that we can read what it says. If you will turn with me in the Gospel of John, chapter 6. Begin from that's a six verse sixty. Let's just say on hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The spirit give life, the flesh count for nothing. The word I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe. And who would betray him? He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him to. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. 
you do not want to live too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him, Say, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the word of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who though one of the twelve was later to betray him. But I want to repeat Simon Peter's statement, who Simon said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the word of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. <clears throat> there are many people who believe, they believe circumstantially, they believe because the environment is conducive, they feel like they want to believe. But so many don't know whether what they believe is worth dying for, whether what they believe is worth living for whether what they believe, they really know whom that they believe. Because according to Simon Peter, he said, for we know that you are the Holy One. You have the word of eternal life. Friends, it's so easy for us to believe in God, especially when it promises good health, provisions of resources, financial circumstances. It's easy to believe in God when we have something we want from Him. But maybe we could expand and open up the curtain and just take a, a, a leap and take a look. What about if or when you have all these things but you're lying in a hospital bed realizing that all of these things you have around you is not going to save you from that critical moment. Do you know for sure? Do you believe entirely that it's beyond the resources and the provisions and the comfort zone that you've been lived in? Can you believe God that even in death He is still God? Even in exit of this world, he is still God and he's got a better plan on the other side. Why did all others decided to walk away and turn away from him? Yet he was promising them to say, I am the bread of life. Unless you eat me, my flesh, and drink my blood, you have no life. And many found it very difficult to believe and understand that. But the few who believe, they knew that this one is the Holy One of God. is the one with the word of eternal life. And they ask him, Lord, to whom? To whom can we go? To whom can we follow? To whom? Because they already knew. And right now, friends, I just want to ask you that same question. You might have believed him. Wonderful. I'm glad you did. But do you know him? 
Do you know in your heart that he is the Holy One, the Son of the living God? The one you should have faith and trust and hope in him beyond the resources, beyond the comfort zone, beyond the grave, that he is indeed the giver of eternal life. Because when trials and trouble come your way, it's so easy to turn your back on him and run away and forget that there's nobody else. And thank God that Simon Peter, when he said, to whom? To whom? There was nobody else. There's no one. But only him who is the Holy One of God. The one that gives life. He has the word of eternal life. He said, we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Do you know him indeed that he is the Holy One of God? Do you know him? The church is the only place. There's no any other place outside the church that prepare you to the next journey in eternity. It's not a nightclub. It's not any party place. There's no any amount of money can prepare you for eternal life. I've been in the church from 1988 to this day I stand here. It's not always easy. It's never been easy. There's a moment of happiness and wonderful environment created in worship, in words, and preaching, and so on. But at the end of the day, when you are alone, back home, sometimes you feel empty. But one thing for sure, Jesus Christ, we can turn the tap on. He fills us with that full knowledge. I talk about hope this morning, that we hope beyond the grave. We hope beyond the circumstances. We hope beyond the system. We hope beyond this world. I don't know. I, I come from Africa. I told you my experience. I told you my life. I told you those who have died, those who have been killed, those, those who are forced to kill. I told you because that is what I have learned. And I know better. It's so easy when you're poor, you look for riches and you settle there and say, now I'm feeling good. Sorry, God, I don't need you anymore. But friends, life is beyond the material comfort, the material zone that we sit in and we feel like we've got it all. You don't have it all. You need God and you need to know that fully in your heart, in your spirit, in your system that if for whatever circumstances you happen to exit this world you know where you're heading you know where you belong you know that you have a relationship with him I prayed for many people in hospital many miraculously got well and moved on some even walk away from the church after they moved on but I prayed for others who had never made it out of the hospital but I have learned to share this hope because it's no good beating around the bush. You tell them that just in case you don't make it out of the hospital, do you know where you're going? Do you have this relationship with him? Because this is a reality. Death is real and so is life. 
And we can't pretend. We can't just one-sidedly preach, you know, healing, miracle, coming out, hope, coming out. No, we preach hope beyond the grave. We preach hope beyond the hospital. We preach hope on the other side. And that's what I'm here to share with you. We may never be equal in this world based on the world system. But there's one place that we're going to be equal. Either it's in hell or in heaven. I choose to be equal with you in heaven, sitting together on the right hand side of our Father and our Savior. And I just share this with you. You have to develop a vision beyond what you see with the physical eyes. You've got to begin to see things in the spirit realm. You don't settle for the system that the government, the society, the environment has created for you. You're very special and you're very unique and you're made in the image of God. Regardless of our skin color, our environment, geographical locations, there's one place that we're going to be children before our Father. That's in the kingdom of God. If you cut me now, my blood is not blue, it's red. And so is yours. And that's how unique God made us. I'm a universal donor. I can give you my blood and you'll survive. And you give me yours, I'll survive. We share the same oxygen. We share happiness. When it hurts, we all cry. And I think God cries too when it hurts. But I believe there is a joy whether you're black or white. doesn't matter. When you believe in his son, Jesus Christ, God smile over you. Because Jesus Christ came to redeem anybody. Anybody who believe. Anybody who trust. That's why we're here. Just bear with me. There's one more scripture I want to share before I close. Acts chapter 25 verse 15. It says, I have the same hope in God as this man that there will be the resurrection of the body, the righteous and the wicked. In the resurrection, we hope beyond the grave, my friend, there is a resurrection. Resurrection only happened after the death. But my hope is in the resurrection. Jesus died and he rose. That is where my hope lies. That even if I die, I will rise again. And we'll meet on the other side. Because what takes us there is the hope and the belief that we have. And the knowledge that we know that Jesus Christ indeed is the Holy One of God. He has the word of eternal life. There's nobody else. There's no one. No system, no any money, any amount of wealth and resources can ever take you to God but Jesus Christ alone. So strengthen each other. Strengthen your faith. Walk together in the faith in Christ Jesus. Even when you're faced with death, as I mentioned earlier in the morning here, I drive on that road. There is a risk of landmine. There is a risk of ambushes. There is a risk 
of abduction and so many other things. But the reason I did what I did, because I know if I exit this world now, I know in whom I trust and believe. There was little comfort there, my friend. But there was a great assurance that you believe in Christ. You know where you go. Can I simply pray? Can we stand up, please? Dear God, I thank you once again for giving us opportunity to share your word together with friends, brothers and sisters in the family of Christ. And I call upon your name, Lord Jesus, just like Peter said, to whom do we turn to? That we know you are the Holy One of God and the one with the word of eternal life. Father, I just pray you reassure each one of us here today that we don't live carelessly. We know whom we believe and that is you. I just call upon you right here, right now, King of Glory, that whoever is here, whatever situation they've gone through, whatever challenges they feel like you've let them down or you're not with them, I pray that you give them reassurance today in this place. That you touch their life, King of Glory. That you open the eyes of their heart that they would see things differently. And they would know that indeed you are the one with the word of eternal life. I thank you, dear God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Let's be.